All right, man. New year. Here we are. 2024. Yeah. Yeah. Let the chaos begin. Let it commence, baby. Yeah. Yeah. I know you have a lot to say. Just looking at at 2023, I looked at 2023 as an extension of 2022. And what I mean by that is, as you know, and as everyone who's listened to our should know, my father passed in November of 2022, lost Grover, lost Mickey. So there's a lot of loss in 2022, and that carried over, of course, into 2023. It's not as if all that went away. So I found myself in 2023 just having a hard time building momentum, and I just went with that. I didn't let it stress me out, meaning right. that I'd go through periods of enthusiasm. I would get a lot of stuff done with my business, with my training. I'm in, my mood is really good. And then I would go through long periods of sorrow where I would just isolate myself more. I would let myself be unproductive and not stress about it because that's part mm-hmm. of the mortal process in other cultures. Right. When someone, when a loved one dies in other parts of the world, I mean, they mourn for a year. Yeah. They, they accept it. Americans have a hard time mourning and in America, people always try to make you feel better. It's like, well, just think about all the good times you had. It's like, look, 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 that'll all come eventually. But right now I'm going to be sad. I'm going to go with it. I'm not going to just try to make myself feel better and, use cognitive dissonance to dissonance techniques to try to prop myself up. Just right. let the, the sorrow go. So that, that was 2023 in a nutshell. I will say this though. I had a goal of it, doing five reps on Nordic curls and I did achieve that. So that was a highlight because that's there you go. <clears throat> I had this Nordic curl device in my garage since 2010. They're just looking at me going, yeah, you're never going to get a rep. <laughs> <off me." laughs> <And, laughs> so that, so that was cool. That, that, that happened probably around July, August, I worked up to that. So that was, that was a fun experiment. I like having these goals of, okay, I can't do something right now. So how do I solve this puzzle? How do I pick it apart right. up to it? Because anyone who's ever done a Nordic curl, just the negative, just trying to lower yourself under control is very daunting. So when you can't even control the negative, you're thinking, how am I ever going to work up even to one rep doing this? It just feels like an impossible task. But when you make it a priority, you start coming up with all these strategies, strategies that I never came up with before because I never made it a priority. So one of my recommendations before we get into predictions is have one goal that is the most important goal for you, whatever it is. If it's in regards to training, you should have one goal that's the most important goal for you to achieve and make that your project. Everything else is supplemental to that. It's not as if I only did Nordic curls. I still worked out my whole body. But my mind was focused on solving this puzzle because when you make something a priority, your mind goes into that place. You start coming up with strategies that you're never going to come up with if you don't do it. Like with Nordic Curls, I started I, once I got control of the negative, I go, OK, let me decrease the range of motion because that's how I worked up to one legged squats back in the day. I did that stair step method. Yeah, I, yeah. Couldn't, I couldn't do one rep without falling over. And I go, you're not going to go from failure to success. You have to have some intermediary successes <laughs> along the way. Yeah, you're not going to go from failure to Steve Cotter. <laughs> like, just like yeah, that. yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're not going to go to Steve Cotter, period. So let that go. <laughs> I'm six feet tall with long legs. I'm definitely not going to that. And that's okay. I don't need to. It's still inspiring to me. So right. I, I, I would squat down to the second step from the bottom. I'm like, okay, I can do that. And that gave me confidence because it's a success. So I would just work on that every day. This is when I was still working for other people. So every hour I would go take a break, go to the staircase, and I would do a set of five each leg. And then it got to the point where that was pretty easy. So I went to the first step from the bottom. And then a couple of weeks later, I was able to do freestanding. 
So I haven't worked on one-legged squats in a while, but if I wanted to work those back in my system, I wouldn't just try to do freestanding like I used to do back in the day. Right. I would use this as a system to work it back in because it's always better to lead with the success. It's like, look, when you and I used to train people, let's say you have someone for an hour. You don't want that person feeling defeated after an hour. It's like, man, I couldn't do anything right. Every movie right. show felt like a failure on. It's like, no, let's work on one thing. And let's get you to some kind of success before this hour is over so that you actually want to come back and right. build upon that. Because once you have a little bit of success, it's it's intoxicating and now you want to keep going. So with Nordic Curls, I did a similar strategy. I would stack plates at the end of the bench so that that decreased the range of motion. And I would stack as many plates as I needed to to find a range of motion that I could actually do. Now, it doesn't matter if the range of motion is three or four inches because that's a success. And then from there, you just keep removing plates until you're working from the bottom. So it was a fun experiment. It wasn't one of these things where it stressed me out in any way. You know? Right. It was yeah. A fun experiment. And it was and it was very empowering to actually work up to it too. So now this year I'm going to keep working on it. I'm going to keep cleaning up my form. But it's one of those moves when you when you can achieve something that in your mind is really difficult and you're actually able to in the real world achieve it, it's very invigorating and it builds your confidence and it carries over to everything else you do. So in a lot of ways, that whole experiment was a nice break from just the sorrow of loss. Now that, that was still there and I let myself be sad as much as I wanted to, as much as I needed to, but it was nice to have something positive to work towards and then actually even nicer to actually achieve it. So that, that was a fun part of 2023 for sure. Yeah. It's one of those things, man, like even when I'm trading, it's like such a game to me now, you know, yeah. people want to, yeah. people want to trade to make money. I trade because it's this game and it's like, you, you just want right. to master this game. It's like, cause it's so difficult and people, people try to sit there and act like trading is easy. It's not, it's not easy, but it can be fun, man, because it's empowering because you're also kind of taking your life in your own hands. You're right. like, you're, you're doing something that you can't normally do by working a nine to five. You know, you're sitting there. If you're, really put the time and effort in and really learn the game. You can make a very substantial income. Hell, you don't even have to make millions or whatever. You can still just do better than what you're doing at, at, like, at your job. If you're making right. $20, $20 an hour, you know, at a job and you're working eight hours a day. Okay. You made what? $160, you know, before taxes, you know, for that day. But if you just wake up and you really put in the the technical analysis on a project, you know, on a, on a, a stock or something like that on an option and you do it right. You swing trade it, meaning I'm okay. I'm not going to day trade it. I'm going to buy the, I'm going to purchase the option today and it's going to expire let's say Friday and today is Tuesday, or it may expire a month from now. Well, and if you really go in and look at the charts and do things correctly, you, you see what news is coming up and you factor all those things in there and, and you do all that. And next thing you know, and let's just say you put in, you buy the option at a hundred and let's say a hundred bucks. Well, you know, you came in at that, that's the premium you paid a month later, you know, let's just say that stock at that point was that it was at a hundred bucks. Let's just say that, you know, the price it was a hundred bucks on the chart. Well, next thing you know, a month later, the stock has taken off and it's it like 
180 or 200 bucks, you know, as far as what it's worth now. So now your option is pretty much maybe going up like 10 times. So your hundred bucks has turned to a thousand dollars in a month, <laughs> you know? So you divide that by 30 days, then look at that compared to your job and how much you'd have been, and how much work you had to put in besides, you know, add on to the fact you had to get up every morning, get ready, get in your car, drive, spend gas, buy lunch, buy breakfast, st- you know, drive back in traffic, coming back home, add all that into what you've really paid. So basically that $20, an hour job that you get and you sit there and you make you know 160 dollars well when you factor in all that stuff you, you're pretty much you're just slave labor now yeah. when you factor in all that plus taxes you probably made all of maybe somewhere between like maybe two to five dollars that day right <laughs> you know what i mean when you really put it in perspective like most people don't really sit there and break it down like that and think like that but again to me just even thinking like that is that's the game I look at stuff yeah. like that. Even if I go to the grocery store, and I'm looking at something that's okay. Here's a box of this, you know, and it's, 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 uh, here's 20 ounces of this and it costs this price. But then here's eight ounces of this and it costs this much. And he's like, oh, that 20 ounce looks like a better deal. But then you break it down like, nah, if I get, actually, if I get three of the eight ounce ones, then the price really works out a lot less than the 20 ounce. So now I got 24 ounces. I got four extra ounces. It's all such a game to me. I'm like, oh, you, I'm like, you motherfuckers try to get over on us. <laughs> you know, those little things, man. So it is, like I said, it's such a game, man. So, and I think that's what makes, when you find something that you're interested in and when you're doing it, that's what makes it even more interesting. When you just really, it's, it's just that whole little kid mentality of like getting something, tearing it apart, and then trying to put it back together again. Right. And and just having that attitude with almost everything, man, just whether it's a business, whether it's a hobby or, you know, your training or anything like that, it keeps it interesting. So you never get bored with it. And it, it really does help you focus on it as well. It, it's, it's really hard to get distracted when you're really trying to like master the game or whatever it is that you're doing, you know, almost everything else be damned trying to interrupt you, you know? Right. So, and that's a beautiful thing. It's important to have something that captivates you that way, even if it's not something that you're doing to make money, but something right. that captivates your interest, whether it's a hobby, something that you're very enthusiastic about. Cause I've noticed as people get older, they stop being enthusiastic about things. Yeah. You start becoming more jaded. So you don't get excited about anything anymore. And that's not good. You should always, there should always be things that you get excited about. They're just sitting around waiting for retirement, okay. <laughs> <laughs> which that right there is depressing because right. the thing is you've been working for 40 years of your life, 40, 50 years of your life, just so you can stop <laughs> all of a sudden. And it's like, okay, what are you going to do? Because you spend a lot of time, doing stuff for other people, making other people rich. So what are you going to do? What what can you actually do with the, what the 10 to 15 years you have left on average, <laughs> once you get to retirement, which that kind of sucks that, that math really does not math to me. Yeah. You spend 40 to 50 years working just to get about a 10 to 15 year break to enjoy all those, those 40 to 50 years that you put in that work. That's some shitty math, bro. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so well, one thing I learned after teaching all these courses, especially flying overseas, because just listening to you would remind me of, mm-hmm. let's say I, I would fly out to the UK and I teach two weekends of courses. So it's eight hours, Saturday and Sunday, and then another right. weekend, eight hours, Saturday and Sunday. Sometimes it was six hours, but anyway, it was a day. But that's not, that's, that's not all the work entailed because you had to fly mm-hmm. out there. That's 10 hours. You have to go to the airport. You got to stay in hotels. You got to buy meals. There's a lot of stuff going on. So those days, you really have to maximize those. Those days have to be worth it is where I'm going. Exactly. You know, if your intent is to make money. If your intent is just to go out and have a vacation and maybe this 
the courses pay for it. That's okay too. Now, but for me, this was my income. So I actually had to make money. And then you have to factor all the time that you put in to make that money. That's why it was such a, it was so refreshing to transition into my supplement business because it's so efficient, right? Like I don't have to leave my house right. to make money that I did flying around the world. And look, I enjoyed flying around the world. That was fun. But it's it's also but there's only so many years you can do that until you get burned exactly. out doing that. And there's only and so I, much time that you have to like to even do that each yeah. day. You know, it's like you, how many bottles of you know of aggressive strength can you sell today? Who knows? Right. Yeah. Uh, as much as much as you have a supply of today, right? Right. right. So if you got a, you got a thousand bottles, you can sell a thousand bottles. Okay. Yeah. But for the same amount of money that it would take, you know, that's that you would make from selling those thousand bottles in one day. Can you sustain that with training, you know, teaching a class? Can you make that same amount of money in the same day if, with that least amount of effort? No, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like, so it's, I know people always talk about all about making passive income. Well, it's not passive. Let's just stop calling it that because it's not like you wake up one day and like, you know what? I'm going to have a supplement business. And then all of a sudden shit is happening. No, you got to put in some effort. Something's got to work. You got to do some marketing. You got to put in the research. You got to make sure you're getting a quality product. You got to make sure that you're getting the information out there to help people understand what the products are even about and differentiate yourself from everybody else. It's not passive. I really wish people stop saying. Yeah, you know, it isn't they, passive because I, I have to constantly be coming up with new content to engage people so that they even come to my website. Right. Although if my website is the exact same month after month, year after year, it's like, hey, no new content here. People just forget about it. They forget right. about you. They forget about the product and everything. A lot of right. times I send out content that's useful to people and then people go, oh, yeah, I need more of that product. Yeah, uh, this, this just reminded me like this good information reminded me why I bought that product in the first place. Let me go get some more. So it's exactly. but, but it's not so much that it's uh, forget about a passive business. Let's talk about building an efficient business. And I feel like go. my business is very efficient because I most people live around their work. I work around my life. Yeah. That flip-flop where I wake up in the morning and sure, I need to check things, make sure everything's running smoothly. Guess what? Most of the time it is. So now I go, okay, now what do I want to do with my day? Because everything's running smooth. There's no problems for me to deal with. That means I can go do whatever I want. And I like that feeling. And I, may I just work all day. I may be like, okay, I'm going to put a lot of time into my business today, but that's my choice. Or it may be that, hey, I'm going to go take the dogs to Red Rock and be gone for the whole day because that's also my choice. So that freedom is very important to me. Yes. Yeah, so, so we're looking at going from passive to efficient, but the yeah. main word, but the main characteristic of all this is intentional. Yeah. It's being yeah. very intentional about it. It's like, I'm right. very intentional how I want to live my life every day i'm very intentional how i want i like the fact of waking up like all right what are the possibilities for today or all right so i already knew what i need to do today let me go ahead and knock that out right now or it's just like you know what i'm not gonna necessarily do that right now actually let me give my brain a little time to percolate so i can really go all in on this because this is one of those things that will require a little bit more attention it's not as as effortless as it should be you know so but i have those options and i know some people feel like they don't have those options but again when you put in the word intention, you will, you know, when if, like that's really that important to you, you will be very, in, you'll have a lot of intention when it comes to that. Like nothing can stop you. You'll be very focused. And the thing about that, you know, people always talk about, you know, like, take little steps or, you know, do a little bit at a time. The, the phrase, you know, death by a thousand cuts is usually used or whatever. I like to say life by a thousand cuts, you know, because just slice a little bit off, a little bit off every day. 
you know, not try to take a big chunk out of it and then the whole tree comes collapsing down. I want to take just enough to, you know, to get me to where I need to be. But at the same time, I'm giving that tree enough time to regenerate and give me a little bit more down the road. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, dude. Alexa, play Depeche Mode's Enjoy the Silence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's my, that's my intention right there. So, little... <laughs> let's enjoy that long pause for a second <laughs> don't let that marinate okay <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna think about that for a second i like that <laughs> let that sizzle in your spirit as country wayne was well, i was gonna say about intentional is that <laughs> is, is that this is why a lot of people fail to achieve goals because they focus on things that are not really that important to them and if it's not important to you you're not going to get that in that intention that you just talked about because right. you're, you're going to be distracted easily like I always say, if you even have to write down the goal, it's probably not that important. Now, if you're writing it down just to work through your thoughts, that's different. But if you're yeah. writing it down because that's how you're going to remember it, okay? <laughs> you know, because, but let me, so I didn't I, have to write down that I want to achieve five Nordic curl reps because I, I, became, I was like, no, this year I'm going to do it. I was like, this year I'm going to do it. No more messing around. You know, this year I'm going to make it a priority and I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to solve this. I'm going to solve this problem. And I did. Now, in the years past, it was always something. It's like, yeah, I'll do a couple of reps at the end of the workout just to mess around. You never got anywhere with that because the intention wasn't there. So that's why I always say that whenever it comes, right now it's New Year's resolutions time. People are working on their goals. And that's great. I hope everyone achieves whatever their goals are. The sad reality is, is most people won't. And one of the big reasons why is because people are choosing goals that they don't genuinely care about achieving if they're honest with themselves. No, it's really those things where it's like they, it's what everyone else is doing and you, or it's what you're expected to choose as a goal. Right. Right. Or, or they're going in without a strategy, you know? So that's one thing you just said about um, if you have to write it down, then it's probably not a goal. Now I can see writing it down. So you can start strategizing like, all right, here it is. You put it at the top of the little pyramid right there. It's like, all right, basically, be more consistent, go to the gym. Okay. Well, here's the next thing more consistently. Okay. Now there's the next thing every afternoon at, at two o'clock because I'm done working. Okay. Now, um, focus more on full body exercises for the first month. Okay. So now you're being intentional. You started with that very open, broad goal, go to the gym. But now you started breaking it down piece by piece. You start giving that life by a thousand cuts, just right. nick off a little bit here, nick off a little bit here. And then next thing you know, you've carved out something that you actually can be proud of. So, right. so that's, that's the thing, having that strategy, man. And, and not, and then on top of that, the opposite of that is don't over strategize. Don't do too much. Don't start right now too much. Yeah. And do this and then do this and then do this and then do this. It's like, okay, okay. You got to get started at some point though. Right. Yeah, pick one, pick one of those things and do the thing. Okay. So now for some just, people, it's like, look, you want to increase activity, go for a walk every day, every single day without fail. I don't care what. Right. And the good thing about having dogs is you, you, they have to go walking every day, or at least my attitude about them is they have to go walking every day. Otherwise I right. feel like I fail them because I know I've got two very energetic dogs and they right. need a lot of activity. And honestly, it's, I'm not going to be able to relax in the evening if they don't get the activity because they're, <laughs> right. just, they're just going to be bothering me the whole time. <laughs> but we go get that two hour walk in, they're going to be chilling for the rest. Of, and now everybody can relax, me included. Yeah. Now everybody can relax now because they're relaxed. I'm relaxed. Everybody's relaxed. And I think for some people, especially when, if your goal is to lose weight and get healthier, okay, what's a tangible step to do that? And now when it comes to activity, 
what can you do that you know that you know you can do every single day? And walking for me is you know, unless you have some kind of leg injury or you some kind of issue you're dealing with. Right. Most people can go walking every day. You don't have to hire a trainer to teach you how to walk. You don't need a trainer right. with you to go walking. You just start doing it. But you got to have a number that you're going to hit every single day. And for me, last year it was ten thousand steps every single day, and that that worked out. I did. I averaged ten thousand steps every day <laughs> for the entire year. Because when you when you have a number, you become more focused. I remember Charles Poliquin told a story about people working in a manufacturing place, and I forget what it was, whether it was making chairs or something like that. But once they knew the number, okay, you guys are averaging 20 chairs an hour, whatever it was. All of a sudden, they wanted to beat that number because they knew it. Now they wanted to automatically increase productivity because they knew the number. When they didn't know the number, though, they're just going through the motions. And I think that's what hurts a lot of people, too, is you just go through the motions. you got to have tangible goals you're trying to achieve. So just going to the gym three times a week. Okay, well, what are you doing there? You You should have a plan before you walk in. Don't just show up and be like, you know, you always see these people that show up and they're, they're, and you can around. tell, and you can tell. Yeah. Yeah. They're just looking around like, okay, what am I going to do today? I was like, no, especially, no, if, no. It's, especially if it's a pretty good sized gym. They're like, oh my God, it's overwhelming to them. You can just see the overwhelm on their face. It's like, in, in my mind, either the night before or, or certainly on the drive there at the very least, like, okay, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to do these things. Now, for some reason, I'm not able to do those things because maybe it's alternative. Yeah. 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 So I'm going to do these. This happened to me the other day. I go, I went to the gym. I go, I'm going to do this move and that move. And then the, the first move I wanted to start, someone was on it. They looked like they were going to be there for a while. I'm like, okay, cool. Let me go work on something else. And that was cool too, because I worked on something else and I like that. So now that's going to be part of my routine. But the point is, is that you have a plan before you show up. Yeah, and it's a plan. You're, and like, you're so, more likely I'm, to make it a habit if you have a plan because you know what, you know what you're trying to do. Now your your brain's like okay this is what we're trying to do so that right. that this is how it's going to work intention huh <laughs> <laughs> the word of the day and when you're saying like you know just basically having you know me- basically what we're looking at here is having something measurable that right. that'll because that'll that'll hold you accountable also like you were just talking about the factory workers in the chairs and the, having the number and all that and again it shows by having it by it being measurable makes it more real. Right. You know, when you're not keeping up with anything, it just seems like a dream, man. It's like, eh, it's it's happening, I think, you know. I think I'm losing weight. I think I'm getting stronger. Like, no, put that number down, man. It's just like, oh, crap. It's like, okay, I was able to do actually all 15 reps this time around. Whereas last week I was only able to get 12 in, you know, before right. before I had to put it down. You know, and actually that 15th actually felt, I feel like I could have done 16 or 17. You know, kept kept going. You know, so it's being measurable. So that, what does that tell you? Now it's time to move the weight up a little bit. If that 15, right. that, right. you know, three reps later from the, from the previous week seems, you know, seems easy. Then, all right, let's step the weight up now. And you actually should be looking that forward will, to that it. That will help reinforce those habits because now it's more exciting to you. When There's nothing like progress to motivate you. Exactly. Whatever. In anything. <laughs> yeah, when you feel yourself making progress in anything, whether whether it's your business or your personal life or your training, that's a good thing. So even dude, even when I'm even when I'm trading or whatever, I write everything down. And I'm like, okay, so this is how much I've done here. And then I'll I'll even see like how much I made and lost during that month. And then I go back and I look at, you know, the things that I picked. And then I look at, okay, why'd you pick this? 
you know, I have screenshots of the charts when I'm looking at, you know, so I go back and look at the charts that, you know, the pictures I've taken the screenshots of it. I was like, okay, what made you decide to go do an entry right here? You know, what, why'd you exit so early? You know, so what, what, what scared you that you felt like, okay, let me go and take my profit now at 20, uh, 20% profit instead of letting it ride out. You know, why'd you get afraid? Oh, you probably didn't do enough homework on that to realize like you should have let it, you should have held it for another couple of weeks and you would have made an extra 80, 90, 10%, you know, 110% or whatever on it, you know, because you jumped out too early because, Hey, you probably just, you were just gambling instead of actually putting in the work to figure it out. And so, you know, even with that, you got to do it. Even if, even if you not even trading, let's just say you just put money in your 401k, you put money in your IRA or whatever else. Still, you need to check in and be, and, and see things that are measurable. You got to see where that's going. Like, how much is that portfolio up? You know, how much is your 401k up this month? How much is it the next month? A lot of people just contribute to their 401k and never even look at it. And they go years without even looking at the damn thing. And then when they get ready to leave that job and they get ready to like roll that 401k over to the next company or wherever else, then they look and see, and they never really just see how much money they put in and how much of a loss they were taking. Well, you could have had other options. You probably should not have been contributing so much to that 401k. You probably could have done better by just getting the ETF on your own from like, you know, from Fidelity or something. And you would have done better or just put in the S&P and, you know, which they've already done the work for you because they they put it in the top 500 stocks. So therefore you, they're making it very easy for you. So you just like, okay, I'm gonna contribute. I'm a dollar cost average, meaning I'm gonna give a certain amount on 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 a certain schedule every day or every week or every month to this one option, this ETF, to this one stock or whatever. And well, now you've got intention. You've got something that's measurable because you actually know exactly how much you're gonna contribute every time. You and then you can also keep up and look. All, whatever brokerage you have, it'll show you pretty much what the average is that month. And, you know, you can go look at what your average was for that day, that week, that month, year to year, and or the year, you know, or the maximum amount of time that you've had it. You, it's measurable. You can, you can start seeing like, okay, um, should I continue to do this or should I reallocate this money and put it somewhere else into another asset? You know, so again, by things being measurable, man, makes life a lot better instead of just leaving it to chance and hoping for the best you know no absolutely my thing is actually if you're gonna hope for the best make sure you're preparing for the worst yeah okay which might end up being the theme when we get to these predictions when it gets to my turn to talk about predictions <laughs> so. yeah. well let's jump into some of those predictions because mine are mine are pretty clear my, my i only have two actually that i think are pretty likely to come true and one is there's going to be more trt clinics and there's going to be more people using trt testosterone replacement therapy because it's so much more accessible now, as we talked about in the last episode, forget about TRT clinics in your town. Now there's these online places where, I mean, they make it about as seamless as possible for you to get started if you want to. It's a quick questionnaire. It's a couple generic questions. It's a brief consult with a doctor, <laughs> which is not remotely comprehensive. But if your goal <laughs> is to get it... <laughs> It's very accessible. And I think I think what stops people from using TRT in the past is that there's too many steps they have to go through to get it. It's like, I got to go to a doctor. I got to get blood work done. Then I got to do this and that. So like, they're just saying, forget it. Now it's way more accessible than it ever has been. Not just TRT, but things such as Viagra and Cialis and the yeah. e-drugs. Those are way more accessible now than ever before too. Now it's to the point where some of these online clinics, you just fill out a, you fill out a, a form 
and then you get approved. You don't even have to talk to a doctor anymore. Now, before it was something like you do a Zoom call with the doctor and blah, blah, blah. You go through the process. Now it's you just fill out a form and you're ready to go. So I guarantee you there's going to be a big uptick in sales for that as well. And it's not even and the other reason why I think there's going to be more people using TRT is because there are the testosterone levels are dwindling every year. More and more every day I get messages from young men, just about every day, guys in their late 20s, early 30s that have very low levels of testosterone, very low end of the range. And for people like us, we're like, that's crazy, because when we were their age, that was the last thing we thought about. But that was a different time. Now there's way more environmental toxins. Now there's way more screen exposure. Now there's way more toxicity you're dealing with in the food supply. Yeah. Knows the negative impact of all these cell phone towers and what, what that's having on your endocrinology. There's so many things attacking you right now that it's nearly impossible to pinpoint what exactly is the cause. So people always say, get down to the root cause and then you can address it. I go, well, how do you get down to the root cause? That's nearly impossible to get down to the root cause. You could spend the next five years trying to get down to the root cause. Well, well in the next you know, five years, during that time, you've had new root causes that popped up. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. They weren't around five years before that, you know? How do you narrow it down to one environmental toxin? And even if you do narrow it down to that, how do you avoid exposure? You know, right. Like, so how, do you stop, how do you stop breathing when you go outside, you know, the house? <laughs> okay. So it's you have to take countermeasures now starting younger and younger to make sure that your testosterone, one of many important hormones, is on point. So it starts with something such as, and people always say, clean up your diet, sleep, fine, do all those things. You're probably not going to notice a dramatic increase, though, if you've had depleted levels that are coming from environmental toxins, because getting more sleep and eating as clean as you can, that may not be ruling out the root cause, because it's it maybe beyond those things. So then something like my testosterone booster is a, is a good line of entrance. Okay, let's get something that ramps up your own production more. Maybe that's enough. But maybe a 100% increase is not enough. If your total testosterone is 200 and you get and on my four. and it doubles, <laughs> yeah, 400 is still a crappy number. Now, even if you go up 200%, you're at 600, which is a, a good number for some men. It's not a good number for every man, though. Every man has a different number. And that's the other problem is that Every single man has a testosterone level that is perfect for him. Then you have to figure out what that number is. No one can just spot figure that out for you. So if it's it's that that's another daunting test too. Is a lot of doctors, if you fall in this range, like oh you're within range. Okay, but most of the people that are getting tested, well, whose range? <laughs> yeah, whose range? <laughs> yeah, most of the people that are getting tested are not healthy. And then you have to look at, let's say your total testosterone now you're 40 years old. Your total testosterone is 650. Your free is 100. They're like, yeah, that's a pretty good number. But what if a couple of years ago, your total testosterone was 800 and your free was 160? That's a considerable drop for you. So that's not a good number for you to feel your best. See, this is where the complexity comes in. So if you're not taking active measures to augment your own testosterone production, you're, you're going to be, you're just going to deal with diminishing returns every single year to the point where, and then you're finally going to hit a tipping point where you just feel horrible and you're going you're gonna to go running to that TRT clinic. You're going to be like, hey, yeah. take that needle and shove it right in my left butt cheek if needed. Because <laughs> I need this right now because I feel terrible. And so the, something like my T-Booster is a good first step. Something like Clomid is a good second step if you're not getting the results from mine. And then you may get to a point where none of these natural production methods are working. And maybe TRT in addition to a natural production method. So I think a prediction is that 
more TRT people are going to want to use my tea booster with TRT because that would be the way I use it. I wouldn't take TRT without using something like Clomid or my product because you always want to have a backup reserve of testosterone. It's like Dr. Gordon's analogy was, he goes, look, just using TRT alone is like driving a car without a seatbelt into a wall as fast as possible, then putting your seatbelt on. That's such a Dr. Uh, Gordon analogy. Hold on. The whole time, (laughs) I can actually... When you're saying I hear his voice while you're saying it, and I'm, and I'm cracking up. I'm cracking up. <laughs> well, look, I could have imitated his voice saying that. You really would have. Oh, man. <laughs> but so, so he always has people on Clomid with TRT is my point, because if they want to get off TRT, guess what? The Clomid keeps their, their, their own production hasn't shut down the way it would if you only use TRT. The Clomid keeps it going. And then if you get off TRT, the Clomid can help bring it back up. But the the sad reality, it's not even a sad reality, just the reality is, is that natural production methods may not be enough, and then TRT is a viable resource. So when people come to me and they say, you know, I don't want to shut down my own production, I go, well, look, your own production has been terrible for a long time. Right. So it's, I'm not worried about it. It's like saying, I don't want to quit my $8 an hour job for a six-figure job. It's like, well, well I, don't, I, don't want, I don't want to shut down this business that hasn't been making money for the last two years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, if something is not working for you, and it, it really depends on how bad you feel. Because, like, look, how long do you want to deal with how you're feeling right now? If the answer is, I don't feel that bad, I want to figure I want to learn more about this so I can have a more comprehensive solution, fine. But, but you may also feel like, look, I feel terrible. I'm, I'm feeling suicidal. I have no motivation. I have no sex drive. And I, I'm putting on body fat everywhere. I just feel terrible. I feel like a shell of myself. It's like, okay, well, let's get you feeling good the fastest route possible. You can always circle back later and try to figure out other options if you want to, but let's get you feeling really good right now. So I think more and more people are going to get on TRT just because it's more accessible and because levels are so depleted. And I don't think that works against me, actually, because more and more people are are looking at testosterone replacement, which means more and more people are going to see other options such as my product. And I do feel that a lot of people on TRT should be taking something like aggressive strength with it or Clomid. So that you don't shut down your own production and it allows you to not have to take as much TRT. So instead of taking 200 milligrams a week, now maybe you're only taking 80 milligrams a week because my T-Booster gets you from 200 to 500 and then the TRT gets you from 500 to 800 and that's where you feel your best. As opposed to going from 200 to 800 and now you're if you're only taking TRT, your testicles are going to say, look, we don't need to do anything. It's like sending out people stimulus checks or right? just stay home and don't work. It's like, why would I want to go back to work? I'm getting the stimulus check. Right. <laughs> the fastest way to, to get someone to not want to work is to send them money for doing nothing. Your body's thinking the same way. It's like, why do we have to work hard and crank out testosterone when we're getting this exogenous source? Let's just go ahead and take a vacation. So Tia, so aggressive strength and Clomid are basically ways to avoid your testicles taking a vacation so that if you want to get off TRT down the line, you can do that because once you've been on it for, I would say you can experiment up to a year. Once you get beyond a year, you might as well stay on for life at that point because it's going to be very difficult to bring back natural production if you're not taking measures the whole time you're on it. So anyway, long-winded on that, my prediction is more and more people are going to use testosterone because numbers are getting lower and lower every year. It's very daunting. It's very scary. It's good that stuff like that is accessible though, but 
if you're going to get TRT through one of these clinics that's not doing a thorough analysis with for you, now it behooves you to make sure that you do that for yourself because right. you're playing around with powerful chemicals here. You know, it's not something to just take and not do blood work and make sure things are on point. Ideally, you work with a physician who knows what he or she is doing. A lot of people aren't going to do that, maybe because they can't find one <laughs> or they don't care to. They're just going to take stuff. But ideally, you document you have data for whatever path you're going to go down. So that's the whole TRT prediction. Now, the other one is that psychedelics are going to become a lot more popular. And I've talked about my experience with stuff such as psilocybin on Instagram. And I think we talked about it on one of the episodes a while back too. Psychedelics are really interesting because psychedelics are basically almost therapy in a bottle. And it sounds ridiculous when you've never used it. But psychedelics at least gave me a third-party perspective of myself, where it's almost like I was outside of myself looking in, and it gave you a level of calm going, hey, you're fine. You know, you're doing okay. Stop being so hard on yourself. And a lot of times we give ourselves these negative messages, and other people tell us stuff that is truthful, but we don't believe it. And if we don't believe it, it's not useful. If you go to therapy and you're getting great advice, but you don't believe it, you're not going to act on it. And then you're just spinning your wheels. So in my experience, psychedelics such as psilocybin, and I'd love to try some of the other ones such as DMT and some of the other things sound really interesting. I just find this whole arena fascinating. I feel that psychedelics are going to become as accessible as marijuana has become across in many parts of the country. We're in Vegas. Forget about TRT clinics. (laughs) There's dispensaries. I can think of five within probably five miles of where I live. And they're they're all doing really well. So marijuana has become readily accessible. It's now much more socially acceptable than it ever was because so many people are, it's it's funny when someone can do something legally, a lot more people are going to try it now. That's why TRT is a lot more accessible. You know, TRT is not something where you're going to talk to some back, that's some dealer in the back of the gym and then hope it's, legitimate stuff that you're paying for you're not just injecting olive oil you know into your body <laughs> now you can get it through legitimate sources just like with marijuana now a lot of people are going okay let me try it because it looks more legit when it comes in this packaging with branding on it and i feel like that's where psych- psychedelics are heading in that direction because i think that psychedelics can do a lot of, to help people with mental health and mental health is a serious concern right now we see a lot of mental health issues I see a lot of mental health issues on Instagram, just all this aberrational behavior that people are in. And I go, these people, a lot of these people could benefit from taking psilocybin because it would give them some introspection and some honesty with themselves. And that allows you to act on those things. Marijuana does, marijuana just makes you relaxed and you kind of zone out. Psilocybin makes you relaxed and happy. It, It increases serotonin in your brain and receptor uptake. But more important than all of that is that it makes you very introspective in a very good way. I remember the first month I took it, I was just microdosing. I would stay up till three or four in the morning, not stressful, just because I, I was I was just enjoying this whole process of introspection. You just you didn't want to go to sleep because you just wanted to stay in your head in a good way, have all these thoughts about different things. Yeah. So my prediction is more and more people are going to try. As more people use it, more you know you know how it is. Monkey see, monkey do. The more people talk about it, the more people try it. The more, other, you know, the, the more other people are going to want to try it. Look, when when it gets to the point where your Uber driver is talking about it, you know it's going mainstream. You know, that's, yeah. one thing we, that's one thing we always talk about crypto. We always know when it's a crypto bull run, when your grandmother starts asking about Bitcoin and and 
and Ethereum. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> that's how I felt about the UFC. And I've been a UFC fan since the early 2000s, way before I right. went mainstream. And nobody knew what you were talking about. When I would get taxi rides, or I would rent a car, and the person comes to pick you up, and I'm I'm just talking about my business, and then. I would bring up some of the MMA fighters I worked with at that time. And they, no, one, no one would have any clue what you're talking about. They're like, oh, right. yeah, I think I've heard of that UFC thing. Mm-hmm. And then when it got to the point where everybody was talking about the UFC, like everybody was, I was like, okay, this thing mm-hmm. is, has reached a mainstream point. It's, it's every, even people who've never watched the UFC, they know what you're talking about. When exactly. When it gets to the point where it's just like anytime you see a brown soda, you just call it Coke, no matter what it is, right? So anytime you see anyone fighting in MMA, it's like, oh, he's a UFC fighter. <laughs> you're like, you could be in the most bootleg backyard league, but they'll if you know how to throw a kick and you have a right, those right. four ounce gloves, you're you're a UFC fighter. Right. <laughs> That's when you know it's going mainstream now. <laughs> yeah, and my prediction for myself is I won't be watching as much because I don't like exactly yeah, when things go mainstream, I lose interest. That's why. But, that's why I, I miss a lot of like TV shows. You know, when everybody's watching it, I refuse. Now, I always watch it when the show is over and canceled and done. Then I get into it because now everybody's gone, and I can watch it in peace. I don't have to sit there and worry about. Oh, I can't can't go online right now because people are spoiling this week's episode or whatever else. So, <laughs> so man, I didn't watch. I didn't start watching Breaking Bad until like a few months before the final season. So we just binged or whatever because I just got sick of hearing about it. So right. there's so many shows. I just, yeah, when everybody's into it, I'm usually out of it. I can't, yeah. <laughs> you know. But one, but one thing psilocybin really helped me with last year was, again, I was going through a, a year of mourning on and off. And psilocybin just gave me a piece of, hey, your parents are at peace. Your parents had good lives. They're at peace. Grover and Mickey had great lives. They're at peace. Right. You know, you know it's, it's okay to miss them. It's okay to be sad about stuff but you don't have to worry about them anymore. You know, they're not in any pain or suffering anymore. So they're, they're, their time is gone in that respect. And sometimes I think about how, like a lot of people are, they get really depressed when they think about dying. They're like, oh man, it's all going to end someday. And I was like, well, yeah, it's all going to end someday for you, but that means all the, the negative stuff's going to end as well. <laughs> that right. you have to deal yeah. with life. <laughs> You know, exactly. There's a lot of if you have it's like this Marcus Aurelius quote, he's like, look, what it, whatever you're dealing with, either you'll have the strength to deal with it or you won't deal with it. And then you're gonna right. die someday and it'll all be all over. <laughs> and it's that's that's I, I kind of laugh when I read something like that, but there there's a level of comfort in that too. <laughs> whatever you're going through in life, someday you won't be going through it anymore because you're not gonna exist. And that to me, there's a level of comfort with that. Right. So it also is that so enjoy it while it lasts. Just like let's not waste time. Let's not waste time dwelling about bullshit because it's all going to be over at some point. So let's enjoy our life as much as we can. Let's have a great time with the people that we care about as much as we can. Let's let's get as many great experiences as we can because that's what life's all about at the end of the day is amazing experiences. It it actually makes you more positive in my opinion than negative. Because now you know it's going to end. So let's not fuck around. Let's have a good time right now. But just like that beer commercial, enjoy responsibly, though. Because there's some (laughs) people like, oh, you know what? Don't fucking just start buying everything and going into debt. I'm just, I'm going to die anyway, right? (laughs) (laughs) You know, there are people like, what the fuck am I paying? Why am I trying to pay off these credit card bills? I'm going to fucking die one day anyway. Hell, I might die tomorrow. Let me just go ahead and max this card out while I can and enjoy my fucking (laughs) life. (laughs) 
Yeah, I'm like, well, here's the here's the problem. You might live too a little longer where you have to pay that shit back. Well, but but I, I want to come right back to that because I, I have some questions for you on that topic because that's an interesting one. But right as a mm-hmm. segue into that, there's a friend of mine who who went who dealt with cancer and he survived. And then he's, I saw him at the park maybe a couple of years ago and we were talking and he was talking about all the credit card debt he has. He's like, yeah, I got a lot of debt. I'm not worried about it though. And I could tell he wasn't, you know? No. There's <laughs> a guy who survived cancer. So he's like, fuck it. He's also like, a yeah. old guy who's got no kids. He's got, you know, he's, he doesn't, he doesn't care about having anything that he wants to pass along. So right. he's, his attitude is that credit card debt will just go with him to the grave. So my question. Well, it really, to- it really won't. So the yeah, yeah, that's why, my question. Too, is like, what well, the reason why he's, the reason why he's not worried about it. So here's the thing: these companies they do a lot of fear tactics, and they scare a lot of people, and they make people feel like it's impossible to get over it and to to pay it off. So I mean, just to even kind of go into my predictions, just just to put a little footnote here before we go into this, I just want yeah. to drop this. I want to drop this little note on everybody right now. Now, as you know, right now we're at the beginning of the year. Everybody's coming back from the holidays. We're supposedly, you know, there's supposed to be a recession that we went through last year, which, you know, or, or they're acting as if it really didn't happen. You know, it was just a little bit of recession and now we're pulling back. Well, I mean, the way recessions work, it's kind of like the frog in a boiling pot. Okay. It's like, it's happening when you least think it's happening. Right. So when you, when you think you're in a recession, you're not in one. If you actually think you're in one, you usually find out you were in one once you come out of it. Okay. Like 2008, I didn't even realize that that crisis was even going on. A, I don't watch the news, you know, and my fitness business was thriving because we're in a, we're in a business that whether life is good or life is shitty, we're still needed. Okay. People want to, people want to try to get in shape because they're not feeling great with what's going on. So, you know, or when they're feeling great and money is good, they still want to be in shape because they want to look good and they can, they can afford to buy some, some fancier clothes that fit and whatever else, you know? So, so some businesses that are thrive, no matter what the economy is like is food, sex and exercise and alcohol. (laughs) So vices and the things that help you with those vices, help you live through those vices. (laughs) So, but, um, just so here we are now. We just got on the holidays, and a lot of people have been living on their credit cards for the past year. And it's always funny because someone's like, Where how's this credit card that's steady going up? Where are these people getting these credit cards? Well, these credit card companies, here's the thing we're in a culture that is America's built on two things traditionally death and debt. It's like we always start wars, and we this country started on violence, and it ended up creating a government that survived on violence and debt. Okay. So those two things are not going away. So you need to keep people paying in debt. They don't want people to to be debt free. You're no no good to the system if you're debt free. So the thing is to keep the system going, you got to keep people to keep that wheel moving. And so debt's not going anywhere. So yeah, a lot of people worry about their credit card debt or whatever else, but what ends up happening is, and now they've changed the rules, at least here in Texas, I believe so before whatever you had on your credit state on your um, FICO score or whatever, usually that unpaid debt will stay on your credit score for about seven years, seven to 10 years. Well, I think now here in Texas, now it it only can stay on there for four years. The statute of limitations is only four years. (laughs) So they're making it a lot easier for you to get over your debt and move on. The reason why, well, the credit card companies are not worried about it. They're insured, man. So 
what you don't pay, they're going to get it back through the insurance companies. There's, you know, they're insured. It's covered. And those insurance companies are not worried about it because here's the thing about insurance. We got millions and millions of people paying insurance and a small, small percentage ever have to take advantage of using that insurance. You just have the stockpile of fucking money. Okay. So it really doesn't hurt you. I mean, just like look up, look at your car insurance. Look how much car insurance you paid over the years. How many accidents have you had, Mike? <laughs> Think <Zero>. about it. <laughs> since you were eight, since you were driving and since sixteen or eighteen or whatever else. But look how much money you've contributed to another insurance company at right. this point. Right. How rich you've made them for yeah. uh, for a, maybe just in case scenario with a which is like the odds are like a point zero 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 one percent of ever happening. Right. <laughs> you know, so I mean, it's a lucrative freaking business, you know, between that and getting out, giving out loans. Because the thing about it, for the people who feel guilty and feel like they have to pay their debt, even once they go to reach those limits, they have these high interest rates or whatever, and they continue to keep paying toward that credit card every month. But the majority of that money goes to the interest before it even goes to the principal, just like their mortgage and everything else. It's such, and they keep paying forever and ever. And somewhere along the way, somebody else will offer them another card when they feel like they've maxed out the other card and there's no hope of ever paying it off. They get another one and another one and another one because, and everything starts to overlap. Eventually one of those drop off and you're forgiven for that debt. And then they offer you another one. So the cycle keeps on going. So what they're hoping for is like, you just continue to make those minimum payments and can, Keep paying on that interest, and that's how they're going to end up making their money, these companies, these credit card companies. So just to drop this one caveat on it. All right, right now, as of today, the total U.S. debt hit $34 trillion for the first time in history, which puts the U.S. debt up 100% since 2014. Okay, so first of all, you got to look at it. We're only as good as our government. Our government, they don't pay their bills either. So how the hell do they expect you to pay yours? So you're really not expect you to pay your credit card bills when they're not paying their own credit card bills. I mean, to put that in perspective, dude, $34 trillion national debt is roughly the value of the economies of China, Germany, Japan, India, and the UK combined. Wow. So if you look at the G7, our debt pretty much is bigger than five of those seven. Okay. So, I'm just to put it in perspective, America is ghetto. Okay. The U S is ghetto as hell. That's all I got to say with that. So getting back to, you know, our, our friend here with the credit card debt, again, it's one of those things where you don't really have to worry about it because here's the thing. A lot of folks, well, here's the difference. There are spenders and there are the people that invest. There are some people that take that credit card debt and they put it back and they make it work for them. It's a little bit of a gamble sometimes, you know, but, They'll invest that that debt, especially in a time where right now it's not that easy to get loans from banks because banks are struggling because they're in debt because they've been doing a Ponzi scheme, taking your savings and shuffling around and loaning it out to other banks and other institutions and making more money on the interest from that on your money than you did on your money. They give you 0.001% for your savings, but then they take it and loan it to another bank and they're getting like anywhere like who knows, 5, 10, 20% interest on it. And you don't even get a cut of that, really. You know, it's it's, it's such a it's such crap <laughs> what's going on. And a lot of people don't really think about that because we've been institutionalized to think that, hey, make money, save your money, put it in a bank. And, you know, it's for a rainy day. Well, bitch, it's been storming for a while. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's been raining here, man. It's like, it's, I mean, I just saw the ark pass by my house. What are you talking about for a rainy day? 
<laughs> so yeah, but gonna... it's, not, it's not raining men either. So. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a real Hall- energy. Hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, hallelujah. At least it's not raining. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, man. So crazy. I mean, you talk about those stimulus checks. I mean, look, man, since 2020, the U.S. has added roughly $11 trillion in federal debt. Wow. That's a 48% jump in federal debt in four years. Okay, so and it's still climbing. It's not going anywhere. They keep playing this whole debt ceiling bullshit. Basically, the whole debt ceiling thing is a very is basically what I just explained about the average person getting a credit card. So basically, you you max out the 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 debt, and instead of trying to pay it off, what do you do? You you and your little colleagues, you go in and you vote. Let's just raise the debt ceiling. In other words, let's just raise our credit our credit availability so we can get some more debt now and just keep on going and going. Because guess what? At the end of the day, they're thinking the same thing. Probably that our friend is thinking is like, look, man, I'm going to die one day. So they're like, we're going to keep raising this debt. These Congress people and these senators, they're like, you know what? I'm not worried about us trying to pay this debt off. Cause I'm going to be dead by the time they try to address it. So it's not even going to be my fucking problem. And they're not worried about it because they have trust and blind trust and double blind trust, all these things set up Rockefeller style for their families that they won't even be touched by debt because it's not personal. The money they make is not under their personal accounts. They've set it up to where they've been protected from taxes and from debt, period. So therefore, their families are never going to go broke and never have to be responsible for any debt that may have been incurred from them personally, which at that point, it really won't be any because they set it up the right way. And that's why it really pays to have a top-notch financial advisor to help you set these things up. Not just somebody that's trying to get you to buy into some, some program or whatever else, just so they can get their little commission. Somebody that really knows how to structure it. So it's, it's always good to kind of have some very successful friends or families and, and get referrals from them just and yeah. see how they've done it all these years. And, you know, not get your taxes done from H and R block and things like that. It's like, no, it's good to have an actual bookkeeper, a good accountant and a good tax lawyer, and a good corporate lawyer that knows how to structure things and, and help protect you. And so, and I know for a lot of people, they can't afford that or whatever, but you know what? There's also this thing called, and it can be a little murky sometimes, but there's this thing called YouTube. You can do a lot of research. And after a while, you can kind of see who's full of shit and who's actually the real deal. You know, yeah. so even if you can just afford to just do a one hour consultation with someone, you don't have to put them on retainer. But if you can get to a point where you can just get a consultation, especially for business owners, for people who are entrepreneurs like us, you really should find a, a top notch like professional to help you truly structure your business the right way where you're protected and you'll be able to thrive. And, and not just do it by the fly, you, you know, by, fly by the seat of your pants and, oh, I just I just got an LLC. OK, but why? Why did you get that LLC? Oh, because you heard that's what you're supposed to do. And you're supposed to get tax breaks with that. Really? But will you really get a tax break with that? Or are you putting yourself on the IRS's radar because you shouldn't have been using the LLC? You may should have gotten an S Corp or C Corp. All those things. That's what a professional is for to help you with that. And yeah. take the time to invest in your business and because and, you're going to write it off anyway and get a, a professional that can consult with you for an hour or two and, and just really go over those things with you. And then when you get to a point, then put somebody on retainer. And, you know, so you can always cover your ass because we're about to be in the age, especially probably starting this year, just for all that debt I was just talking about. That was just the government, by the way. I'm not even talking about how much credit card debt has been going on for the past few months. Like, it has been skyrocketing. It is beyond belief. I mean, and the thing is, during the holidays, just riding around 
looking like you passed by a mall. Those parking lots were still packed. So to the point you look like, I thought we were in a recession. You go in a restaurant, those bitches were packed. Like, obviously, a lot of people didn't get the memo that, we, you know, the interest rates were high and we had a, a recession going on. People are living their lives more than ever, <laughs> you know. So, again, because you know why I think a lot of people figure, hey, I got more time than money. I can wait it out. So if, unless they ever go to a point where they're, they start treating credit card debt like they treat student loans, where it'll never drop off your, your credit report, then maybe people start trying to take it seriously and, and, and dial back. But in the meantime, it doesn't look like it's going to be that way. So this is a debtor nation, man. It's always been that way. I mean, the state of Georgia only exists because when the colonies were established, Georgia was like where, where all the prisoners went. It was a prison state. A lot of those people, they were prisoners. They weren't just like violent criminals. They had debts and they had to go work it off. <laughs> so, so this is the country that we live in, man. But so now you're hearing all this. You're like, okay, what the hell? Okay, so basically interest rates keep going up, which means my dollar's not worth shit. You know, and it's constantly losing value each and every day. You're saying that, okay, the banks are, you know, a lot of these banks are hanging on by like a, like, man, the skin of their teeth, especially the small and regional banks. Last March was a wake-up call when you had um, Silicon Valley Bank, Silvergate, and all of them like pretty much fail and get wiped out of existence. Well, that's going to be even more of a common theme, probably starting in March because of, of the bank repo program that was set up last March when those banks start, those smaller banks started to fail. You pretty much had all these other regional banks. Well, that, that program was created from the fed to give them about a year to get their shit together. They're not going to be able to get their shit together because interest rates are too high. Nobody's buying bonds, you know, and you got, you know, the bonds are like each week they do a, an auction on treasury bonds or whatever. And these auctions, nobody's buying, nobody wants it. In fact, China and Japan have been dumping all the treasury bonds, U.S. Treasury bonds they've been having. I always wonder, like, who's buying those basically low-value U.S. bonds from China and Japan? Like, who's buying them at this point? And they've been dumping a lot. They don't want anything to do with our debt anymore because they realize there's just no way we're coming back from this. So that's right. usually how the U.S. pretty much stayed afloat, by selling bonds, man. So it's it's not looking great, and they're not really talking about it you know, and all the mainstream places that people get their information. So, but you best believe that those that do know are having contingency plans and they're not worried about it. In fact, they're, they're excited that everybody's getting ready to struggle financially because this is where they swoop in and this is where they make their millions and billions and trillions right now. It's like, as Warren Buffett said, you know, always invest when there's blood in the streets, you know, well, the streets have been pretty bloody for the last few years now. And, and that's the thing, that's what they do. That's what, that's the art of like truly being a good investor is basically when, when everything's green, everybody's like spending and whatever else you don't, you sit back and you sell, sell to them. Okay. And then when it's to the point where everybody's afraid to buy, you know, whatever, then, okay, that's when you swoop in and you get everything at a cheap price. So Right now, the the stock market has been ridiculous for the past month. It's just been climbing. So again, you you wouldn't even think that we're going through a recession or that anybody's having financial troubles if you look at the S and P or you look at the top what they call the magnificent seven stocks, which is like Tesla, Microsoft, Apple, Nvidia, um, who did I leave out? Amazon and and Meta, aka Facebook. Well, just those seven companies have been carrying the stock market for over the past year. They pretty much have 
been they've made up at least i believe 51 maybe probably yeah a little over 50 percent of the value of the s&p during the time just seven companies out of 500 that's not good <laughs> that's not good <clears throat> that means that out of that out of that 500 like 493 of them have pretty much been trash this past right. year <laughs> you know so that's 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 just not a good again when you start picking the numbers apart and start measuring things you start realizing okay this is not good because what happens if something goes wrong with apple or tesla and there's constant stuff going wrong with these top seven companies or nvidia or whatever let's and and they're all pretty much in the same sector they're all in technology well that's not being diverse and that's already breaking one of the rules of investing right there <laughs> that's not very so something goes wrong in that sector let's just say right now China's about to go to war and try to take Taiwan. Well, guess where most of your chips are made? Taiwan. Yeah. <laughs> That's a problem. Almost, and, almost, and guess what you need chips for? Almost everything in your existence. Even yeah. the very phone that you're listening to this podcast on, the computer you're listening to, the car that you're driving. Okay? So that's, a, that's not a good thing. For China to sit there and want to take over Taiwan, the U.S. is saying, nah, bitch, we're not going to let you do that. Okay, that means another war. And by the way, there's another war that's happening right nearby that no one's talking about. Everybody's talking about what's going on in the Middle East. Everybody's talking about Ukraine and Russia. But no one is talking about what's going down in Venezuela and off the coast of Venezuela and Guyana right now. There's another oil war about to happen. It's right under us. Okay, again, and it comes down to oil. No one's talking about it. I just tell everybody to do your own research. Look it up yourself. And and see how that's probably going to affect just about everything, gas prices and and many other things. We're overstretched right now. We're trying to fight too many battles. It's like the most affordable thing America can do is mind their business, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know. So, but we won't because we want to be a superpower. But the thing is, you you stretch. This is how you this is how you dominate another country's economy or whatever. You just stretch them thin, man, to the point where they just they can't focus. So. All the things that Mike was just talking about, you know, about, you know, finding that one thing and really going all in and focusing on it and, you know, measure what, hey, you know what, our, our government can take that advice as well. You know, the thing is, they're all over the map. They're, they're, the, they're the person that's walking in the gym on January 1st without a plan. They're overwhelmed. They're trying to yeah. do too much. And it's going to, instead of something that should actually make them stronger, it's actually going to injure them and make them weaker. And that's what's going on. So again, like I said, well, you ask, well, are you sincere? So what should I do? Okay, first of all, I'm not a financial advisor. This is not financial advice. This whole little topic we're doing is for entertainment purposes only. I always got to throw that disclaimer in there. <laughs> but, you know, let's just say to my theoretically, it's just like, uh, hypothetically, this is what, I, what I've seen to be successful and to be a benefit. But, of, of course, it's like you start looking to reallocate your your assets some you know your finances somewhere else and the things that are pretty much can go up against any of this stuff that's going on so cash oh man it's a two-way street it's like cash is king and cash is trash at the same time your dollar's not really worth what you think it is but at the same time with everybody going in debt you know one thing by having cash you know is you got when stuff crashes or whatever else, you got cash to use. Think about it that way. Um, I always say, man, when it comes to investing, whatever, even if it's in the crypto or, or Bitcoin or something like that, no matter what, it always comes down to these principles, man. Number one, educate yourself. Educate yourself. So 
you know, I always take time to understand like just the basics of everything, you know, so whatever you want to get into, whether you want to be in stocks, you want to get into options. If you want to get into bonds, if you want to get into cryptocurrency, take that time to educate yourself. There's so much information out there that's available for free. You can do that. And number two, I always, I always say to myself, you know, start small. Don't try to go all in, man. It's not a casino. If you want to go to a casino, go visit Mike. He lives in Vegas. <laughs> they got plenty of they got plenty of places around there for you to just go all in, man, and hope for the best. Okay. But other than that, you know, like I said, start small, man, and and just build up. Because here's the thing: if you start small and you're consistent, if you do it consistently doing those small things that work towards your goal each and every day, you're gonna more than probably make it to wherever you're trying to go to your destination. You know, it's called compound interest, man. It's like, it is the eighth wonder of the world. Okay. So just, and it's not just financially where compound interest comes in, even just like we were just talking about with your training each day that you sit there and you just make that progress each and every week, each and every day, adding on, just like Michael was saying with the Nordic, everything he was doing with those Nordic curls. And even he's just talking about, even with one legged squats, all those little things that he kept doing consistently led up to actually completing the goal and taking that goal that he completed and then applying it to the next goal. You know, well, you know what that is? That's compound interest. He's just adding, he's building onto his account, his reserves each and every day to putting it in. And by him putting in constant like attention to it and effort into it. Well, that's what we basically in, in the financial world, you call it dollar cost averaging. You're putting in a certain amount consistently consistently over and over at a certain amount of time over. And you're not even thinking twice, no matter what's going on with it. No, like even with the market, if the market's up or down, you're still going to put in your certain amount each and every time on a certain day, in a certain week or a certain month toward a certain project, a certain stock, certain crypto, you know, or same thing with the gym, whether it's raining outside, snowing outside, you're still going to put it in. If you didn't make it to the gym, you're going to do the squats or whatever else at your house. Even if you're not, being, you're not going to be able to use barbells or whatever at the house, you have to do body weight. You're still, that's still your dollar cost averaging, you know, on the, the investment of your life by doing that. Because even those body weight squats actually may go a long way than going and get under the barbell because you're kind of giving your body a little bit of a break and you tend to be a, you get to be a little bit more flexible and you tend to work certain bones and tendons and joints that you may not necessarily do and give attention to if you have that bar on your back. So, so there's so much that you can actually akin your business, your training, and just like your finances and your relationships, put them all together and you approach them with the same type of techniques, man. So, so much of this is correlated. So again, I said, start small, and then number three, diversify your portfolio. Okay, so again, you start looking across the different assets, man. And certain assets appreciate more when things are bad. There are certain things like art. No matter what's going on, art always appreciates. And I mean, I think there's this website. I mean, I haven't used it, but I hear about it a lot. It's called Masterworks, where basically you can get, you can invest in art, but like have fractionalized ownership of it, shares of it. So like a Banksy painting, instead of, going out and spending millions to buy one, you know, well, you can actually pitch in and get like, okay, I'm going to put in a thousand dollars, just like how stock is just like a stock. It's like, okay, you may have 10, 10 shares of Tesla, but you don't necessarily own all of Tesla, but Hey man, you are exposed to it and you do own a piece of it. 
Okay, you're a shareholder. Well, that's what happens like with this too, this thing where they're doing with uh with Masterworks. So they have Picasso's, they have all this stuff. So and the returns have been pretty decent when they whenever the they've sold anywhere between they've had like anywhere between a fifteen to thirty four percent return on some of these things. So and, hey man, in in a world where your savings account is only giving you point zero 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 one percent return, I think it's pretty damn good. And on especially when the S and P on average gives you about an eight an eight percent return. I think it's pretty good. So yeah. especially when, again, when you're diversifying, all these little things start to add up. So when one is only giving you a smaller return than normal, another one's giving you a bigger return than normal. So it averages things out. All right. And um, on top of that, let's just say if we're talking crypto again, you know, make sure you're using a reputable exchange if you, if you're going to invest in crypto. So right now, I mean, if someone had to use a, uh, a centralized exchange, you know, in order to like buy and trade crypto, I would tell them to go to Coinbase. Why? I mean, you, I mean, I know people think about FTX and what happened with that. The one saving grace I give the Coinbase to offload and, you know, and to, to purchase crypto as far as um, an exchange is Coinbase is publicly traded with the New York Stock Exchange. So they tend to have to answer to a few more higher authorities than these other exchanges, these crypto exchanges. They're beholden to shareholders. They're beholden to the SEC. They're beholden to the government pretty much, you know, when you think about it, you know, whereas the other ones, you know, good luck. Some of these, not even those other exchanges, are not even in America, they're offshore, you know, so, so you got someone like Coinbase that's a little bit more regulated and they have a, more people to answer to someone like Robinhood, you know, if you're going to go that route, as far as even with stocks, or or crypto again they're publicly traded they have more of the big boys to answer to they're being watched a little closely more closely than these others are um other than that let's see you know always like again if we're talking crypto again secure your investments well that being said you know make sure that you know you're buying some someone that's reputable make sure you're putting your crypto if you're going to self-custody it put it on a wallet a, a hardware wallet or software wallet you know and, and you know I think it's better to have self-custody than to leave it on exchange because something could happen. You could have a, you know, an FTX situation where they're shut down or Celsius, you know, and next thing you know, you know, all that money you had on there is just, it's in limbo. You either lose it or it's held up in bankruptcy court for years. I mean, there's a place, I mean, there was this exchange called Mount Gox that got shut down over 10 years ago and people just now starting to, you know, get made, getting, getting some of their money back from when it got shut down. Um, so, and there's people who had stuff on FTX, who knows? It might be years, if ever, that you get your money back. So when you have self, that's the beautiful thing about crypto compared to the money you put in your bank. Let's just say, okay, yeah, put your money in the bank. It's insured by the FDIC. I, it would be who of you to go on to the treasury's website and look up how much is in reserve at the FDIC. And then, because you know your money's insured up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars at your bank by the FDIC, there are about three hundred fifty-eight million Americans, you know, you know that are here. And I don't know how many that million, probably at least two thirds of them, have their money in the bank. If something were to happen tomorrow, we were to have a two thousand twelve like financial crisis, like like Italy had where you know people couldn't even take money out of the atms or they they were allowed just a small amount every day we had a situation like that here and it can't happen don't think that it can't 
because the way things looking is probably more probable that it will happen than it won't. Well, when you have over, let's say 300 million people all trying to get their money out of the bank or trying to recover their money that was lost, you know, and they're covered 250 million times 300 million. Well, you'll, and we add all that together, go and look and see how many, how much money is in the reserves at the FDIC. I mean, that they have in the FDIC and you'll realize it's not going to happen. <laughs> that money's going to be gone. So your bank is no different than FTX. Okay. So just keep that in mind. So your bank branch manager is no better than Sam Bankman free at this point. You're, you're still gambling by doing that. So there's something to be said about self custody and taking, keeping your money in your control, but being your own bank comes with a lot of responsibility. A lot of people don't want that responsibility. They rather take a chance and let somebody else be responsible for it. So if something goes wrong, they can bitch and complain and try to, Oh, I'm going to sue them or whatever else. And you know, and they just hope for the best taking personal responsibility where it's like, okay, I clicked on the wrong link and somebody wiped out all my, they took all my crypto or someone drained my savings account because I clicked on this link and they, people don't want to have to admit that if they made that mistake. It's just so much easier to blame someone else. Like someone, the bank stole, the bank lost all my money. Oh, really? Okay. When's the last time you logged into your account? Okay. How secure is your internet? Oh, you just, you, oh, you logged into your account at a Starbucks. Oh, okay. That's brilliant. Okay. Oh, you don't have a VPN on your phone. Oh, so they, okay. Oh, you keep the Wi-Fi on your phone all the time. You never turn it off when you're out driving around. So you know that while you're driving, and you have Wi-Fi on, on your phone, you're just riding around and you're pretty much, there's a point where you can connect to just whatever Wi-Fi router that's out there. If you've ever connected to it before, like you pass a Starbucks, you might end up just connecting to that one. You might end up just connecting to whatever, like if you're on Xfinity or Verizon, you might get connected to a hotspot without even realizing it. And then guess what? Hackers also will just sitting there getting your IP address or whatever, and they can just connect to your phone while you're riding around while you're at a red light, little things like that. But no, you're safe in your mind. You're not even thinking about that. And you don't want, and you wonder like what happened? How did my account get hacked? Who knows? It's like, again, that root cause thing. We don't know. So many variables happen because little things weren't addressed, you know, for as far as security is concerned. <clears throat> so keep that in mind. Um, so it's so, a, Oh, stay informed. That's another thing. So I always try to find good resources to stay informed. Um, again, I'm particularly kind of addressing a little bit more about crypto right now, because guess what? That's right now. That's the asset that a lot of the big institutions are looking at. They know what's going on. They know what's about to happen as far as the dollar is concerned about the U.S. debt. And so right now, that's why there are companies, places like Chase, JP Morgan Chase and all them. That's why they're buying a Bitcoin. That's why they're trying to get an ETF. And because they need to have, a, a, as Larry Fink, the head of BlackRock, which owns everything, like he said, he's looking at Bitcoin and crypto because that's where a flight to safety is. They're, they're telling you everything you need to hear. But the thing is, they're speaking amongst the chaos. When, again, when something's happening over here, look the other direction to see what's really going on. Because one thing about it, when everything else is come crashing down, you know, one thing about it, if you got self-sovereignty and you got possession of your crypto assets, then you're, you're okay. But then someone says like, well, what happens when, you know, say the internet goes down or you can't do anything. Well, guess what? If I have a wallet, Mike has a wallet and we're doing business with each other. 
we can send each other. I can pay him through crypto peer to peer. And that's what the original creation of Bitcoin was all about. This peer to peer payments, taking out the middleman, being in a trustless, having trustless transactions and not being, having to pay fees out to Wazoo like you do with a bank, you know? And so I always suggest that you read the Bitcoin white paper and that'll give you an idea of everything that's going on now and how you can pretty much set yourself up for success, you know, when things go bad. And if they don't go bad, that's your insurance policy as well, because people always say like, oh, well, how much is like one Bitcoin is too expensive? Look, one Bitcoin is one Bitcoin. Okay. That's, that's, that's how you should look at it. Because again, you want to have that as your store of value, just like gold. No one's really trying to see right, how much is gold. No, gold is You got gold. You got gold. Okay. You can trade it. There's that asset right there, that precious metal. So that being said, you know, stay informed, have a long-term perspective, but also you don't have a short memory, you know, keep in mind what's going on now, but also look at what's going on right now and live accordingly, but then look ahead of the time as well. And if you can dream anything that could go wrong, it probably could. And instead of being afraid, prepare accordingly. And if it doesn't happen, great. Just like insurance again. Look, man, I don't want to go out and have a car accident just so I can try to justify all the money I pay for insurance. Okay. Right. <laughs> but I have peace of mind knowing that I can get in my car and I have full coverage. And if something goes down, my car is going to be taken care of. I have that peace of mind. And that's what all this is, is having peace of mind. So with that being said, also understand the risks. Um, and another, what's very important is avoid emotional decision-making. Don't do something because of your emotions, man. You know, you need to go in this thing as stoic as possible. And that being said, just like, look, don't start getting afraid. Like, well, I need to buy, I, I need to sell the house so I can buy Bitcoin because, you know, the market's going to crash and, you know, the apocalypse is coming and there's going to be World War III. And then it's like, no, 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 no. Take your emotions out of it. Take your emotions out of just about everything that you do that's pretty much having to deal with your life if something's not happening, happening at that point. Look, man. Again, it's one thing to be afraid and there's nothing to be cautious. Okay. There's one thing to be paranoid and nothing to be prepared. So you got to look at that. And the thing is also the more and more you envision in your head of it actually happening and then you make a plan accordingly, then the less likely if it ever happened that you will actually react in a negative way because you've already seen it in your head. I, I teach this even with personal defense. I'm like, when you get in the mind of a criminal and start thinking like a criminal, you'll be a much better law-abiding citizen when you look at that so even just when you kind of look at the debt when you look at that like okay everyone pretty much is going to use debt everybody's going to have debt my thing is how can you make debt work for you how's debt working for the top one percent because trust me they have debt they're not walking around here to talk about you know pay everything off no they have debt but how are they using that how they protect themselves from that debt how are they making that debt go out and create more income for them. So look at that dollar you have in your pocket, ask yourself, how can I make this dollar go out and work for me and bring me more dollars instead of me having this dollar and I have to go out and make more dollars. So make that dollar work for you. Make it be one of your soldiers, man. Make Put that dollar on payroll. Okay. And have it create stuff for you. And like I said, the last thing is like seek professional advice, man. Um, like seek a professional. So like you can go to the, um, uh, what is it? The Certified Financial Planner Board of Standards. You can look that up on Google that. You can find like, um, see, you know, um, 
certified financial advisors and planners from there. When it comes to investing, uh, a great resource is Investopedia. Uh, there's pretty much like, there's probably nothing that you can come up with dealing with investing that they don't have there that have all the answers. It's better than Wikipedia can be for everything else. So take a look at that. But at the end of the day, man, and I'll probably do another episode where I kind of go a little bit more into just crypto itself and, and Bitcoin, because right now we are entering in what's called the Bitcoin having this year, which is, first of all, the beautiful thing about Bitcoin, unlike the U.S. dollar, there's a straight up finite amount of Bitcoin ever to be created. 21 million, right? And right now it's only about 19 million that's going to be in circuit, going to be circulating. Whereas the others, the others have either been locked up by the creator of Bitcoin, who supposedly is dead, which means you will never see those. That other, that other, um, three, what, three million, two million. But the rest now, you got institutions trying to get in and get it. So, either, and what does that mean? We're talking about supply and demand. So if there's only 19 million, guess what? You know, the more and more that gets bought up, the more and more that the price is going to go up, the demand's going to go up for everybody that wants to get some. And you don't necessarily have to have one whole Bitcoin. You can actually have bits and pieces of a Bitcoin, kind of going back to that whole fractional thing I was talking about with the art or like shares of a stock. And those are called Satoshis. It's kind of like if you you can have a dollar bill or you can have a hundred pennies, you know, you can have dimes, nickels, or whatever else. It's the same type of situation. But again, the value only goes up. If you, Google the value of Bitcoin since its inception, how much has gone up every four years when it has it having, or hell, look how much has gone up just since it's been created about 15 years ago. I'll see if I can just do it real quick without taking up too much time, but uh, hold on, which is really crazy when you sit there and think about how much the dollar has depreciated over the last hundred years, <laughs> there's a big difference. So, Bitcoin all time. Okay, man. Just to let you know. Okay, this is crazy. Even try to tell somebody this. It's just like, like you got to be fucking kidding me. But Bitcoin itself is up. That's a lot of, hold on. <laughs> Make sure I don't mess this up. There's no comments right now. And it's steady moving as I'm talking because it's going up right now as we're recording this. So let me not mess this up. But basically, I believe Bitcoin is uh, about five. If I'm not mistaken, that says about five billion percent. <laughs> okay, five so billion. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I, I'm trying to. The numbers just keep moving. It's making it very hard for me to like break it down. Hold on, there's six. Oh, it just keeps moving. Six. There's five, eight. Yeah, so like about five point eight, five point eight billion percent. If I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Just today alone, I mean, it's up $823 just today, okay? I don't think anything that you're investing in did that today. <laughs> Hold on, here we go. Let's go all-time high. It's it's crazy. Now, the thing about it, that having, and the whole having thing is basically the supply of Bitcoin is being, being um, printed, minted, goes down by half as far as the... Uh, every four years so as far as like what's rewarded to the the miners that actually like that mine bitcoin the rewards or whatever it gets cut in half so it makes it less of an incentive which makes it more demanding 
so this you got more and more miners trying to fight to verify each Bitcoin that's purchased. And so, and the thing about the beautiful thing about having miners and Bitcoin being decentralized is the fact that the, no one entity can shut down Bitcoin because there's yeah. over there's millions of millions of miners in the world in different places, not even connected. They're not even the same country. Or, you know, they're all over the place, you know? So it's not like you just got, whereas your bank is centralized. So if they want to shut down your account, just ask Kanye how that feels, you know, they can just like, all right, we're done. Your, your account's closed. This man had like, this man was worth over $600 million and he had his account shut down. So it's not, if they just see, especially in this cancel culture that we're in right now, if you post something that doesn't go with the narrative of whatever bank you're with, they just shut you down. Sometimes, I mean, PayPal has been notorious for shutting down accounts without giving warnings, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, or explaining. Yeah, I've been, and, I've been on the receiving end of that before. <laughs> Yeah, and and making it make you pretty much like go through hell to even think you can even recover the money that you had in there, you know. So, <laughs> but the thing is, when you have something decentralized like Bitcoin, and you have your coins on your own wallet, the other crypto, or whatever, you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about that at all. So, this is something about having that peace of mind. Okay, I just want to make sure I want to be accurate with that um that 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 number I gave you guys about bitcoin as far as um how much it's up well it's also i just looked at some numbers it's up 161 percent just from this time last year yeah okay so all time it's up nine thousand seven hundred forty one percent yeah that's That's in that's in like like what a little less than 15 years (laughs) that's crazy now what in your portfolio has done that now, I don't have my chart in front of me, but I want to tell you pretty much like how much the U.S. dollar has gone down during that time. Well, we definitely see how much the national debt has gone up in the same time. Just from those numbers I just gave you again, just in four years. I mean, it was four years ago. The national debt was eleven trillion dollars. Now it's thirty four trillion dollars. So as far as the U.S. dollar is going, it's going the opposite direction where Bitcoin is going. And the thing about a lot of the crypto behind it, the, especially the blue chip you know, crypto coin, uh, currencies like Ethereum, Solana, which has been on an absolute tear this past like couple of months, you know, which you didn't think it would even survive after, you know, after FTX that invested so much into that, but they've, they've, they're like the finish coming from the ashes, you know, between that and like Cardano and all these different cryptos, whatever they tend when Bitcoin's going up, they follow along with it. So every four years they're going up as well. But I tell you what's not going up is the value of your dollar. All you have to do is look at, the the DXY um the look at the the dollar on the um look at the chart on the dollar and see what it's done okay so and as far as the S and P since I mean since we won't talk about things that people normally know about so the S and P has been out for now forty yeah about to be forty years now so over its forty year period it's up twenty six thousand seven hundred fifty six percent but that's over forty years. Yeah. Okay, so you're talking about Bitcoin is a third of that in like less than 15 and still going. Okay, (laughs) so whereas the S&P right now, as we're speaking, it's, you know, it's four thousand seven hundred forty two dollars, whereas Bitcoin right now is like a little over forty five thousand dollars (laughs) now. So, again, I, I like to look at these numbers, man, and just really see what your money's really doing, you know, and how it's really working for you. Um, 
So just some things to keep in mind, folks. It's just like there are viable alternatives. You just have to be, you, you have to get past that being afraid of change. Because here's yeah. the thing about change. Whether you're afraid of it or you embrace it, it's going to happen right. <laughs> regardless. So you need to decide which which side of change you want to be on, you know? So look, man, this is the future. All you got to do is look at the big wigs. Look at the big boys and how they're playing. They're fighting to get their their Bitcoin ETFs approved um, in the next couple of months. Um, I really see, I want to put a little quote from the from the annals of history here. Beware the eyes of March. <laughs> This March 2024, I feel like it's going to be a little different. A lot of things are happening, you know. So you got the final deadline on these Bitcoin ETF approvals. You've got the bank repro program coming to an end. So your banks, your little regional banks might be in trouble. You got the Fed. I believe they're coming that month with either they're going to raise rates, cut rates, or keep them steady. I have a feeling they're going to cut rates. And pretty soon they're probably going to start printing money again, which is going to Again, make your dollar worth trash because it's going to be an overabundance of dollars circulating in the system, which means they're losing their value. And just so they can try to bring down interest rates to 2%, which I don't see that happening without not just breaking some things, but destroying some things. So your dollar, your money is losing value. It's, it's lost so much money just in the hour we've done this podcast. But at the same time, within this hour, hey, man, my... Crypto and Bitcoin has gone up just in that hour while we've been talking. So it's just some things to consider. People that are not even connected to any of this know inherently that something is going wrong because just wages have not gone up and the cost of goods has gone up. For exactly. Everything. They're not, they don't match. It don't match. So, you know, you got about, has gone way you got up about up. 8%. Yeah. Rent and housing and mortgages and commercial real estate, which is that's, Oh, again, March, keep, keep paying attention to March. So you want to talk about the next real estate crash? It won't be, it won't be retail housing. It's going to be commercial housing. You got buildings, some of the biggest buildings that are like they cost millions of dollars, like in downtown Los Angeles and San Francisco. They sold for pennies on the dollar recently. And what's going to end up happening because a lot of people are not going to be able to afford housing because you won't be able to get a loan, you know, to, to even get a house. Well, a lot of those commercial skyscrapers or whatever will probably end up becoming housing. And only a few people are going to be able to either afford those or they're going to pack people in. I've already seen, I've been watching this. New York right now is the litmus test that is being that's testing this out because New York, New York City specifically here, they have to take in homeless people. They have to give them shelter by law. So they can't turn them away. So it's going to get to the point where and also, New York is also the place where the most commercial real estate is. They're, they're, those buildings are empty and people have moved out and left. And so it's just sitting there decaying. So what's going to end up happening, you're about to see a different type of like public housing about to happen in the near future. So the whole little thing about 15-minute cities and keeping everybody within, you know, 15-minute range in, in a city, you know, structure or whatever that's about to happen because people are not going to be able to afford to go beyond that they're not going to be able to afford to live out in the suburbs they're not going to be able to get a house out in the burbs and get it built or whatever else and basically all these the commercial real estate is going to go to waste it's going to become public housing and you're going to have about 20 to 40 people living on one floor in these commercial real estate buildings and basically you're pretty much going to be assigned 
your 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 place of residence is going to be about a 70 foot 70 square foot room basically that's going to be yours so it's going to be like how your dorms were in college you're going to have a community bathroom community kitchen and you just pretty much gonna have this little room that's going to be yours so one thing about it, you don't have to worry about everybody on your floor being a roommate and have to pay their their share basically you know if, as long as you're paying yours you're good and at this point it's just a matter of time before you know, um, Andrew Yang's dreams are going to come true because it's just a matter of time before universal basic income is going to be a thing, you know? So basically all the things that people shun and like to talk about people like, you know, the projects and welfare and things being ghetto. Well, all that's going to be mainstream pretty soon. Everybody's going to pretty much be getting welfare checks because it's going to be universal basic income. That's all that is. Okay. So everybody's going to be living in the projects who can't afford to get a loan or buy, you know, buy a home where you're going to be in these old commercial real estate buildings that are now housing everyone for dirt cheap. So, Hey man, like I said earlier, America's ghetto. It's our hood. Now (laughs) the hood is like, it's everywhere at this point. So just embrace it at this point. So you can either make smarter financial decisions and invest and put whatever you have. You don't have to be a billionaire to be investing, man. That little goes a long way. At least that dollar could be actually building in something else, because it's definitely going. It's not going to grow in your bank account, right? Okay. Right. And pretty soon, as with everything corporate in America, pretty soon there's only going to be a few banks. It's not going to be all these little regional banks or whatever. They're all going to collapse. They have. They're they're struggling right now. They they've been bailed out. They've got. They've had a one year welfare check, you know, with the bank repro program, but they're not going to make it. And what ends up happening? They fail, they shut down, they get absorbed by the bigger banks. So pretty soon you're just going to have, just like with media and everything else, you're just going to have J.P. Morgan Chase, you're going to have Bank of America, you're going to have Wells Fargo and Citibank Fidelity. These are You're probably just going to have five big banks that control everything. And ladies and gentlemen, that is not a good thing. That is a small few being in control of a lot. And they're all in bed with your politicians and with other countries that, that don't even like us. I mean, China and, and, and other, well, pretty much every country doesn't like us at this point at these last few years, but they're doing business with all those people. They're doing business with the enemy. Now, what's so funny to me, if you and I did business with the enemy, you and I would be arrested for espionage, you know, and treason, but BlackRock and all them can do business with these other countries that there's, supposedly the enemy and it's just business as usual. And that even goes to Tesla. I mean, doing all this business in China, hell, everything we do is with business with China. That's why the whole thing about China being the enemy, I think is laughable. And most of them like, how is it that they're our enemy and they're the biggest threat to us, but almost 90% of everything, every good that we have comes from them. And if they hate us so much, but the one thing about it, they keep selling to us and we keep buying. Right. <laughs> same thing with the oh, same thing with the, <laughs> It's people talking about China as the enemy with T-shirts on made. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're on your phone, you're on social media, bitching about China being the enemy on a phone. That's a lot of the things came from China. Your case. Well, make America great hats are probably not made. Exactly. <laughs> They're made in a sweatshop. Come on, come on. Make America <laughs> great, but just make sure that it's made in China. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, man, it's, it's such a joke. It's just like 
the whole time that Ukraine and Russia, they were all like, oh, Russia's this, that, and the other. We're still buying wheat from them during this war. <laughs> okay. We're still getting grains from them and yeah. pretty much still exporting and importing goods with these folks. I'm like, this is all a game. Like war is big business. War is yeah. not even about having a common enemy. Even the stuff that's going on with Israel and Palestine. It's like, it's look at how the financially, how are all the people involved benefiting from this? And you realize they're not enemies. No, they're trying to make us the enemies. And that, so we don't question what they're doing. So again, I don't listen to what you say. I watch what you do. That's how you should look at things, man. And you'll be a lot more informed. And then you can proceed accordingly from there, hopefully. So that's a little bit of my prediction there, man. Just kind of give people some food for thought without going into like, oh, this, do this, that, and the other. Kind of try to keep it broad, but then it kind of came back down to cryptocurrency. But I didn't really go too deep into cryptocurrency because a lot lot of of good advice there. A lot of good advice. Those those 10 things can apply to anything, you know? as far as investing so try to keep it palatable as possible yeah because i want to see people win i don't want to see you know big brother and all his cohorts you know keeping everybody down but again you got to make the constant decision to not be taken down you know so just like oh what is the term you want to use just like um oh just like in the the defense world you know they say you know you want to be you want to train to be hard to kill well, you need to use that same philosophy with your business. And somebody, no one, I'm not saying that somebody comes in and shoot up your, your business, whatever, but make it that much harder for you, your business to go down and fail. You need right. to do that with your investments. You need to do that with your relationships. You need to do it with your friendships. You need to do that with your training. You, all that. You need to train to be hard to kill. You know, as no one's taking you out and controlling you and making you a slave. So. Yeah, so that's how I'm going to wrap my little soapbox moment of 2024 off. And so, hey, man, it's 2024. We're here. It's an election year. It's going to be a lot of duping going on. It's going to be a lot of numbers that are going to be fudged a little bit to make the those that are already in control look a little bit better so they can hopefully get your vote, your vote, which they're not really getting your vote, but they want you to think that they, you know, they're getting your vote. So, again, more smoke and mirrors. At yeah. the end of the day, the real vote happens in your pocket. You know, that's where the real control is. Yeah. So, and the more you control your money, the more you've got control of what they do. So that's why they want to separate you from your money. It's really simple. So they want it to be the other way around. So again, you can, if you're going to be a slave, you need to have a mindset, a Spartacus mindset, like <laughs> meaning you're not going to be a slave forever. Again, that's where the long-term, the long game comes in. You know, and make sure you have the right amount of gladiators on your side to help you get through it and and take down Bacchiatus. <laughs> so yeah, man, that's what I got for this week. That's good, man. I think that's a good place to wrap up. Cool. So yeah, like I said, in a future episode, I kind of go in more before this Bitcoin having to actually kind of just give you the big an explanation of Bitcoin. But I always like to say. To, to explain it like you're four years old or five years old, because there's a lot of people that kind of talk a little too technical and get so nerdy and they lose people. But I like to, I like to explain stuff and relate to everyday things where it's like, ah, okay, I get it. I get it. So yeah, but I, I know this episode, that was a lot to kind of just like take in. <clears throat> and so don't want to overwhelm folks either. <laughs>
So yeah, right. we'll we'll come back to that before March, especially because I you keep you keep hearing me say about the eyes of March. Well, <laughs> like I said, history is the thing you've heard it before. History doesn't repeat itself, but that some bitch does rhyme. Okay, right now history's got mad bars, son. <laughs> All right. So yep. So that'll do it for me, man. Sounds good. All right, folks. We'll catch you on the next episode. Take care. That wraps up this week's Live Life Aggressively show. Be sure to head over to MikeMahler.com and NewWarriorTraining.com. Use the coupon code LLA12 and receive 12% off of your total purchase at either of those websites. Also, for more personal protection tips, make sure you head over to NewWarriorDefense.com. Support the production of the Live Life Aggressively show by heading over to Patreon.com and becoming a patron. Simply go to Patreon.com slash LLA podcast. All Patreon subscribers receive Patreon-only access to our brand new show, Afterlife, which is a brand new behind-the-scenes episode that is not available to the public. Our Patreon subscribers also get to enjoy bigger discounts on all of our products by receiving Patreon-only discount codes beginning at 15% off on all products on MikeMahler.com and NewWarriorTraining.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Lastly, be sure to share the episode by following us on social media, on Facebook, as well as our new account on Instagram. Until the next episode, take care, everybody.